Hi, welcome to another episode of the Flying Tortuga Brothers podcast. The Flying Tortuga Brothers are artists Carl Stoveland and Shannon Torrance, who are endeavoring to be named artists in residence on Loggerhead Key in the Dry Tortugas National Park in September of 2020. This podcast is a series of interviews with artists who have done residencies and interesting conversations with people who can help along the way. So grab a cup of coffee or your beverage of choice, sit back, and enjoy the show. This episode of the Flying Tortuga Brothers is brought to you by Camping Florida Keys. Camping Florida Keys is the premier rental equipment outfitter for camping Dry Tortugas National Park and the Florida Keys confidently and comfortably. So reserve, relax, and return your gear today to minimize planning and maximize your vacation. They can be found at CampingFloridaKeys.com and all the usual social media outlets. Hashtag CampingFloridaKeys. Enter podcast into the promo code on the website to receive a 10% discount. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Flying Tortuga Brothers. I'm Carl Stoveland, along with my sidekick, art partner, and now artist-in-residence at Loggerhead Key, mm-hmm. Shannon Torrance. Hello, everybody. Happy to be here. And we are really excited today. How are you doing today, Shannon? Doing great. Doing forgot, great. To say, forgot to ask that. <laughs> Actually, I saw you 10 minutes ago, so I asked that then. That's terrific. Uh, we are really excited today. We have a very special guest. We have... Tanya Ortega, who is the founder and CEO of the National Park Arts Foundation. Well, I see why you're flustered. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hi, Hello, Tanya. everybody. Thank you so much for having me. I am honored. Welcome, welcome. We've wanted to we've wanted to do this podcast with you since that night you called us when things were still in the mix of who was going to get it, and we were introducing ourselves, and we had that nice conversation. Shannon and I were getting eaten by mosquitoes on my front porch, but it was a really good conversation. <laughs> well, I have to admit, uh, I've been following you guys, uh, all of us here at NDAF have, since uh, you started the podcast. So I've definitely been keeping my ear out uh, with everything you guys and on the blog and the new artwork. So it's very exciting what you all have done. It was it was a it was a planned gambit, you know. We decided that uh, <laughs> when we didn't get it last year, when we applied at the last minute, but we found out that we were, we had still been in the running. We said, "Well, we can we can make this happen. We're just going to start right now." When we did about fifteen months ago, Absolutely. Carl set up a war room wow. table and we brought out the uh, the blueprints and started <laughs> planning the whole thing out. <laughs> I was basically going to dra- drag Shannon along, no matter what. I'm picturing it like a like a blueprints on the table, like a heist kind of like Ocean's Eleven. You're figuring out where to go. That's how like Carl that. acts. That's very yeah, cool. Absolutely. <laughs> and the way it actually looks right now is that my dining room has been, for the duration of COVID, has been turned into my studio. So to keep my wife happy, I have covered my dining room table with craft paper that as I work and make messes I, I change it out every couple of months well right now it's got about 50 quotes from different movie directors on it um lists of what camera gear and what lenses some shot lists all kinds of stuff in fact we're gonna have to go around the table afterwards shannon and kind of look at some of this cool stuff i have tie charts in front of me for loggerhead key for the time we'll be there <laughs> pie chart tide charts yes so we know oh tide, high tide, low tide. 
Oh, Shannon, I didn't tell you, uh, but one of my high school friends who's been following us sent us a uh, Garmin GPS that has will be able to connect by satellite and has tide charts and moon charts and oh, sweet. so all that stuff that oh, we would have wow. to print. We're going to print it out for backup, but we we will have real time data for that stuff. That's pretty awesome. So just oh, a, just a little so bit of technology. Incredible. It's great for that, fishing. It, <laughs> exactly. You know, it, it, so are, are you you are going to have satellite there huh i think you will be the first maybe some people took satellite phone out there but um i don't know that anybody's actually used it so this is very exciting well, i've got to follow up and see how that works for the, you the gps was alone to us which is great and then because of our GoFundMe we set up, we're going to get the satellite phone, and we were just waiting for the dates to be finalized because we're renting the satellite phone, so I didn't want to give them the wrong dates. Mm -hmm. So, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, I want to be able to check in with my wife once a week. I, I'm not used to being away from her for that long, especially for, you know, the last six months we've been in the house, basically. <laughs> That's so nice of you. Oh. That's very cool. Well, she's my partner in crime, and I... Uh, <laughs> I, it's going to be very strange to be away from her for an entire month. Yeah, my wife's already uh, expressed that. Luckily, you guys live two streets away, and I think uh, Wendy and Dean are going to spend some time company. together. Yeah. Wow. So, so speaking of, and I know this might be uh, kind of funny. What what do your your spouses think of of uh, you guys being? Are they they must be excited for you because it's something you guys have been working towards for quite a while. Um, both of our spouses are professional women, mm -hmm. so they're very, they have a lot on their plates. My wife is a COO of um, a nonprofit called Primetime, which does after-school programming for children. Oh, wow. And summer programming. Fantastic. So her life has been absolutely hectic. Oh. Um, and Carl's wife as well, but her hers is kind of more global, right? Yeah, she has a, a global marketing role for an engineering firm. They've had a little bit of time to get used to the idea because when we applied for the 2019 residency, I told her after Shannon and I had sent in the application. So she, <laughs> I, I kind of dropped the bomb on her backwards. And uh, But at least she's been known since then that we were working on it and working really hard on it. And she's proud of the work that we've put in and she's looking forward to everything that we do there. Oh, they sound great. That's so supportive. I love it. Yeah, they are pretty special ladies. Shannon, do you want to start out with some questions or do you want me to? Um, yeah, I have. I wrote down a few questions. I wrote down a lot of questions, but then I narrowed it down to a couple. So, oh, one of well, shoot. Are you now or have you ever been a member of the Communist Party? <laughs> Just kidding. That was a joke. I can neither confirm nor deny. I had to throw Oh, she throws there. down with the Pete Seeger. Very nice. I love it. So, but seriously. So I was wondering, as my first question, what artist or artist residency has impacted you the most to date and why? Oh, that's a good question. Me personally? Mm -hmm. Well, um, I have to say uh, that's, that's, a, that's a, a triple part question, but Chaco Canyon in New Mexico uh, has to be it because... I was the artist in residence there. And that's when I realized because I was being invited myself before the foundation as an artist in res residence at different parks. And I was at Chaco 
when I realized that I had to make this into a foundation so that other people also had the chance to apply for foundations across the country. So that's why that one has the most impact is because I was there and I kind of uh, kind of had a sort of a calling or a vision, if you will, of, of it just simply not being fair because I kept on getting these opportunities that other people couldn't apply for. So, and because it's a beautiful, magical place, of course, but um, that's why that one has the most, the most impact. I can totally see that. Um, I took a road trip for a year and a half. And uh, when I came back, New Mexico um, was the place that really resonated with me. So I ended up getting married there a few years later. But yeah, it is, oh, it is, it is the beautiful. land of enchantment for sure. And that's where I'm from too. So it's kind of, you know, I've got my biases, of course. Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> And also Chaco very close to my heart because my grandparents, um, uh, both, both sets of grandparents lived out on the reservation near there. So, um, though they're not, um, first peoples, um, I would take trips there when I was really young. I can't even remember the first time that I went to Chaco and the parks around there. So it's, you know, it's very close to my heart. Have you ever been to the, uh, to the white place? very hard to find um the white place yes it's know. in abiquiu so it's out where georgie o'keefe used to paint and they've stopped telling tourists where this place is um i think they filmed cowboys and aliens there carl oh did they <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um but it's so hard to find and if you ask people about it that are local in Santa Fe, they will not tell you. Nobody will tell you. And so my well, wife, my wife and I had a rental car, and we tried to find it, and we did find it. But I think we uh, we almost killed the rental car. You got a little bit of the you can't get there from here. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I honestly don't know if I've been there because I, you know, that's where I spent my time growing up and even a few years ago I took my niece um, my niece up there and we just wandered around for a couple of weeks and at the time I think she was eight years old and uh, we went pretty much everywhere without maps even so mm. I could have been there maybe not um, it's just beautiful up there so we didn't we really did kind of leave without a without any any direction of where we were going to go or be so you know that's the way to take a really wild uh, art road trip. That's why and Carl's was... my partner. <laughs> <laughs> no maps or anything, but it worked out. So it always does. We've got a yeah, a little bit of a little bit of country, a little bit of rock and roll here. I do a little bit of planning, and Shannon's got big picture, and I'm I'm a little bit of a micromanager on the details, so we balance each other out quite nicely. Oh, that's a great balance. That's a perfect balance, in fact. Every once, yeah. every once in a while, he's got to tell me that I'm getting way too far ahead and rein me in a little bit. But, uh, <laughs> well, it's it's an interesting thing, especially for us because we we spent so much time on the application side of things that you know we were applicants, and then suddenly we had the residency, and I felt like I just had to get everything done the first day. <laughs> <laughs> 
So it was, it was like that. I definitely had to take a breath and there was about a week there where I had to just calm myself down and just, Mm -hmm. you know, put it on the list. We'll talk about it later. Don't have to do it today. Um, so we're, you know, right now our big thing is we're keeping an eye on the keys and making sure that they don't get shut before we get there. That's my big fear or, or that they close while we're there. That's, Mm -hmm. that's probably the big, the big two things right now. That is, and uh, I think, as you know, we we spoke to the park a little bit about a little bit about that um, before. Of course, nobody knows what is going to happen anywhere with anything. And yeah, federal it's all property, up in the air. So anything can happen, but I have to say, the park service, especially at Dry Tortugas, they are so accommodating and just um, really, really great. I mean, we had the, we've had hurricanes there and people have come back and completed things. And, um, it's, it's just been very, very good. The park service is wonderful, you know, for that kind of thing. We've never had a cancellation, believe it or not. Um, even uh, through the hurricanes and COVID and even in Hawaii through the, um, the volcano um, and the lava flow, we actually didn't cancel the program. Our program was the only one that kept going um, throughout. So they're just so great to work with. You know? I'm looking forward to getting yeah. to meet some of the Rangers. We, we had a, a chat with Beth and Haley from last year, last weekend. Um, and oh, good. They, good. they gave us the scoop on, you know, some of the stuff that they not, not necessarily wanted to talk about with people who weren't going, but once we were, selected they you know they you know there's a grill you know they started giving us details on on where things were and they 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 told us you know who the who the great people to work with were and um they were they echoed your sentiments that everyone was was great yeah i'm really glad you talked to them too because and i don't know if you've talked to the any of the other artists there but you know you just don't know that's really the only way to really know kind of what you're getting into is to talk to the other artists i've been there i've stayed with the artists there and um you know but i was only there for like four days or something and and in that short period of time you don't know uh what really happens so um especially because it's all off grid right and keeping the solar going and the water filtration system um and even getting the boats back and forth um and uh, using the uh, what is it the uh the radio um, yeah, the check-ins. Mm-hmm. Check-ins. So all of that. Would you the say detail. that the uh, the Tortugas is the most remote of the residencies that you do? Yes, because it is entirely off-grid, um, and and that's why. Yeah, I it's mean, not, you get your own place, island. <laughs> it's not some place you get to up by accident, but we will be the safest two guys in Florida once we get there. That is so true. <laughs> It's so true. It's so oh, wow. true. And because of, you know, people not, not visiting the, you know, all those being down, they they do let people go to Loggerhead Key, but I don't know if they are right now. I don't think so. Maybe, maybe they are, but it's, um, I would be surprised if, if there was anybody else on the island, well, on the whole island when you were there. Yeah, the Park Service right now <laughs> has it listed as you can do the normal things, you know, anchor your boat offshore and visit loggerhead um from what i understand the scientists will be done before we get there and that's why they asked us to uh 
uh, why Sarah asked us to pitch in with the uh, Turtle Project because We're there won't be anybody else that. there. We're absolutely thrilled oh. about that. I am so excited for you guys. That is, I don't know what the details of it are, but that's pretty great. I mean, you know, nobody is supposed to be going within, you know, walking and they're going to, you're going to be trained on how to handle that. But it's just good. Uh, that's magnificent. That is a real special, special it, thing. It's going to really add some great flavor to the documentary film. So I can't tell you how yeah. excited I was when she asked. I was like, I don't even have to wait. I'm going to say, yeah. It's a no-brainer. <laughs> I don't know if you're going to be counting their eggs or or what, but but it's a it's a pretty specialized thing. I'm a little jealous for that one. <laughs> so, so uh, let's 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 go from the the uh, micro to the macro and zoom out a little bit. Let's uh, let's talk about the National Park Arts Foundation and the residencies. At this point, how many residencies do you guys sponsor across the national parks? A lot. I know between residencies and other things, we have about 100 events a year. Wow. Um, this year has been uh, cut down since March, of course. Um, but that's a mix of um, exhibitions of people who have been residents, workshops, residencies themselves. And we have a very limited um, menu. I think we only have uh, 23 parks right now that we're working with just because uh, it's kind of like we're at capacity and we have a waiting list. So the parks apply to our programs and sometimes they're on a waiting list for seven years um, and it's getting, getting longer. And so, um, you know, even the Grand Canyon is about to come up and they've been on the waiting list since uh, 2014, I think. So um, we have over 200 parks who have applied for our programs, but we can't, uh, we can't get to them all. It's, you know, it's, it's like, we don't want to get too big. And also the funding mechanisms right now have been, have been cut in the last uh, about four years. Um, But that's, that's fine with us because we're just, you know, a small group. And then people apply, and it's kind of interesting, though, because the parks apply, and then by the time we get back to them, the entire staff has sometimes changed, and they didn't even know that they were on a waiting list. (laughs) True, I can imagine that. That actually leads into one of my questions. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the questions that I had was, do you now or do you plan to produce like calendars and books, things of that nature, um, of works by artists who have been residents at different parks? who have gleaned some creativity from your residencies that could be sold at the gift shops, like the one at the Southern Rim of the Grand Canyon that you just mentioned in order to fund Uh, the National Parks Arts Foundation. That's, that's a good idea, except that that is a totally different. So that would be product. And we, um, we can do that according to our nonprofit status, but it's not something that we specialize in. So uh, though we work closely with concessionaires and the concessionaires work closely with different vendors who do that and different artists who do that, we aren't going to be, uh, we don't see that anytime in the near future, just because it's a totally different business than art. You know, that's kind of the the monetization of mass production of artwork. So not anytime soon. Okay, I understand. We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna kind of stick to the um, um, letting artists c- 
create fine art and what they want to do. And if we can support an artist, you know, however we can to be able to do that themselves, we would definitely do that. But we are not going to be a product, uh, a mass product based uh, nonprofit. Well, there's something to be said for leaving that to the artist to decide if they want to do stuff like that and then letting them pursue it and assisting it in any way if it's possible. So it makes sense to me. That's true. Yeah, it's a different, it's a totally different business, really. It's like when you, and I, I do have a background in that, by the way. So, you know, uh, even if you, if an artist has uh, an agent, which is different than having a rep for the product that they make, if they do whatever the product is, um, you know, nameplates, menus, calendars, postcards, posters. So, uh, you know, it's it's just a totally different different business. Um, and that business and so that world has has changed so much in the last few years. I mean, most most artists I know wear all those hats all by themselves at this point, and they're they're self promoters and they're their own managers, and you know they they have to split yeah. their time between creating and being a business person. And you see how naive which, I am. <laughs> <laughs> which is, I mean, it's very hard because even fifteen years ago, gallerists were basically working as agents. For artists. And I'm sure um, you've run into this, uh, Shannon, especially, you know, even even back then, I, I had my work in a few different galleries. And um, it, it changed a lot when they couldn't be because a gallerist working as an agent, which is a, a, a different job than having a gallery. Um, it's just a whole nother job. But many of the artists that we work with have agents. So they are able to do the whole um, marketing and looking for different things. But as we all know, agents do, do, um, do make money because that is their job. So it's, it's um, not easy to either get an agent or be able to afford one a lot of the time. But it, when you have one, it's so much easier. That is so true. And that's the, that's the, the thing with having a brick and mortar gallery representing you as well. Um, mm -hmm. it's sort of like how music was kind of like the first groundbreaker where people, musicians started releasing their stuff on uh, YouTube and, and, uh, places like that, social media. Um, and it really infuriated the record companies. So it's, it's, I think, mm -hmm. you know, two dimensional arts going the same well, way. I think digital has changed every facet of our lives, you know, and how we, how we go about our lives. And then this year, everything has changed again and in all new ways. So it's, you know, everything is in flux at the moment. We're just going to create and we'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> that is the best impetus of the best art, I think. So <laughs> you can't force the creativity, right? So No, the muse um, can't be bribed. That's true. so true. That's so true. I like that. Did you did you coin that? Uh, probably not. Just I'm, now. I'm, I'm sure that <laughs> I've had like it though. In conversations yeah. with uh, Jen Jovan, we talk about art and motivation quite a bit, and I'm sure that it's just come up between us. So I'm sure that it might be hers, it might be mine. <laughs> I have I have a uh, a love hate relationship with my muse, so it uh it comes and goes as it pleases. <laughs> and I, I think your words hit me in a different way. Um, painting um, 
it seems like if you, if you try really, really, really hard to do something, you always fail. But if you just let yourself be free and go with it, come back and tweak it here and there if you need to. But just there's more energy, more life, more flow. Overthinking is a bad thing. It really is an overworking. I was just telling a friend of mine that some things are even better left just as concept. Um, oh, not that's, even that's for sure. Not even banking them at all, you know. So you got to really be able to distinguish uh, distinguish that from the get go. Don't tell Sachi; they'll have a gallery of white walls, and <laughs> the artist will just have the concepts of everything. It's all concept. A, a six by six type sheet on a big wall that says the artist intended. Yeah. <laughs> Insert thought In- here. Intention statements replace. <laughs> Replace artist statement. We don't actually have to make the art. You know, it's just. This is what I thought about doing. (laughs) What is it? That's that's what the world of consultants is, right? They don't actually do the work. They just have the idea about the work. Yeah. Just the idea, people. You know, we actually had somebody um, years ago apply to Death Valley. And it was, uh, and he was accepted. And he did not have, he did not have, um an exact idea in mind he said i i don't have i don't even have a concept of what i'm going to do i am just going to be inspired and it everybody loved it he admitted that he had nothing and that he every week he would give an event and show everybody where he was at you know an audience a public audience for free and uh, do like a powerpoint thing or something like that and it really worked and he ended up doing an earthwork outside of the park because it was on a on a grand scale um and uh he's toured in different countries now with that very thing and i think let's see about six years ago it was in lisbon and uh, anyway so even a concept something should be left it was interesting that he was accepted just on saying i have no idea i'm just going to go on inspiration (laughs) so that's brilliant that you guys did that too (laughs) that you said hey let's let's give this guy a shot it was a gamble, but you know, the, just the honesty alone was kind of kind of I'm, refreshing. I'm just, I'm just thinking of the number of revisions that our artist statement and application went through before we actually finally hit send. <laughs> oh boy! On the last one. Oh, it was sure. great, by the way. Oh, uh, thank you. Very impressive. But there is something to that, though, too, in that in my approach, while I know, you know. There's a, there's a lot of planning that goes into making a documentary, and we know kind of some of the artwork we want to do. But photographically, I've been I've made a list of the things I know I need so that I can, and along with the movie stuff too, that just gear I know I need so that if the opportunity comes up, I can get the shot. You know, I'm not locked into, I want to let the world kind of present itself to me and and create mm-hmm. what moves me. And a lot of that came from, that inspiration came from when we had talked to Kelly Clark from the National Park Service because she talked about the almost religious experience it was to be outside and dry tortugas at night and look at the stars and the, the quiet. And I realized then that I just had to let it, let it happen. And as long as I had what I needed there to make the shots, then I could just relax about what I was going to try and do. 30 days is a good amount of time to... To let the spirit move you, you know. I think so. I think the only complaint we've had about the thirty days that is that it's not long enough. So 
Um, and the other thing that I've heard from some of the artists there, and this is a hard, a hard thing. I'm just, I'm envisioning you at night outside looking at the stars and looking over the ocean and the waters and the beauty and actually having to pull you being so inspired, but wanting to be in the moment, having to pull yourself away to go get the camera, to get that shot was a really hard thing for people <laughs> to do too. So, but 30 days seems pretty good. And even longer, even longer seems to be uh, what a lot of people would have liked. But yeah, there, I have seen, um, I don't know where I saw it, but I have seen like artists talking about um, being in the moment, um, capturing the moment and living the moment. And you kind of kill living the moment when you start trying to capture the moment. So you lose that aspect. Well, that's always the trick for photographers, isn't it? Because we stand back from the world. Yeah. And uh, for me, because it's a lot of this will be a lot of nature and landscape stuff. It's it's okay, you know. It's it's when you're in a, a person event when we're filming, and it's interview stuff. I'm gonna have to leave it more as static, two camera shots, and edit it later. You know, not try and think about it. Like we're actually filming this one in case we get some great stuff we want to throw in later. And it's just mm -hmm. a GoPro up on a tripod in my dining room just so that we have something. You know, it's we're, we're learning as we go with the GoPros, too. This is something I've never used before. And these things are dynamite. They're Grass absolutely amazing. Media. Grassroots media productions. Right. Uh, I like that. I haven't used it. I have a GoPro Hero, and I haven't even started using it. <laughs> and that's good to hear that they're pretty great. So um, my son, Logan, is a skater, and he's sponsored by GoPro. And he said, dad, no way. Yeah. He says, dad, you <laughs> have to get a GoPro. And he turned like, he turned me onto everything. He said, this is the one you need. This is why <laughs> these are the accessories you're going to want. The first thing that happened when I posted that little GoPro video I posted last week, the first person's comment was, is that from your phone? The sound is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. The cicadas were really incredible in that post. Were there cicadas oh, I'm just, yeah, in the background? Yeah, they're screaming. But if, if you're not really, you know what I mean. If you're watching the pictures, you know. I was just listening to you <laughs> talk about the <laughs> residency. Yeah, but it's an amazing tool. Carl was like, "How tight he's." I think he's blown away using his. He's he's mastered so many things already. Um, it's it's shocking. I mean, I, I use my my main still camera is. A Pentax um, 645Z. It's a medium format digital camera. I took it mm -hmm. all across the Pacific Northwest last year, and it weighs like a million pounds when you add six or seven lenses to the kit. And I was hiking all over the place with it. And then I open up the box for the GoPro, and I'm like, "Really? <laughs> so tiny. But You're like, this is too tiny." I, I, I'm, I'm used, you know, and I shoot film too. So I've got big old film cameras and we're bringing like 50 rolls of film with us. So I'm used to that bigger is better. And then there's this tiny little thing, but it's, it shoots 4k 30 video. It goes underwater to 30 feet without having to protect it in any way. It does time oh, wow. lapses. I mean, we've been, we've been just exploring with these things every day and just, I, I can't say enough about the product. They're really good. You know, I have to tell you that I have, because I'm sort of an old school photographer, at least a four by five film, you know, this kind of thing that I 
have to put keep myself in check and say, am I using all of this equipment and hauling it around, usually with an assistant, because I feel like the physical labor adds to the final product somehow? Like, am I tricking myself? I, um, I when I can be thought. using something else that is like a GoPro that I can get the same results, the exact, you know, that kind of thing. And I have to like uh, balance this. Like, am I just uh, first, um, am I so old that I feel like I have to use this old products? And second, is the physical labor part of what I feel like the process has to be when it doesn't? I have, so, give, I, I've given that a lot of thought. Cause I, there's a, there's, for me, there is a simple, absolutely physical joy to the sound of the shutter on my RZ67 when it pops off. It's a big, clunky, thunderous mm-hmm. sound, and it's but it's soft, too, and I love, love, love that. But I've had to realize that when I shoot 4x5, I'm then going to photograph it on digital anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. before it becomes it's going to get converted to digital before I go to final print anyway so at some point I realized that there's a part of the film experience that even though I'm never going to give it up because I just I grew up making dye transfer prints in a lab that's how I started and four by five and eight by ten were the things that I learned on I'm always going to have a special place in my heart for them but there's a part of me that recognizes that I was also feeling superior when I shot it just because I was using something that was harder to use. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that, I think you're right. Feeling superior, like maybe there's a little bit of a, well, for me anyway, like the ego tied into, uh, into the, um, the equipment a little bit. So I'm, I'm there with you. Yeah. I was was a little snobby (laughs) about it. If you didn't learn on film, you know, it's like, you know, you don't really know how to shoot and it's just not true. It's different. It's the, not true. The the experience of photographers today who make beautiful work and learned a completely different way than I learned are it, the results are no less valid. And I, I had to I had to swallow that. But you know, I've also gotten really good with embracing the digital stuff. I'm a I'm a bit of a gear hog. Um, so mm-hmm. I've got lots of stuff to play with. And between the 645Z, the the digital medium format, and my six by seven film cameras, it's not a big difference. Honestly, mm-hmm. I think I probably give the edge by the time you convert the the chrome over to a digital scan. I think I give the edge to the 645Z. So the digital camera probably wins, especially in that medium really? format space. The Canon oh. 5Ds are great, but they don't match up with the film cameras to me. So if I really, really, really want the best it's that medium format digital for me or the medium format film. Now I'm not bringing that. Yeah. I'm not bringing the medium format digital camera with me, the Pentax, because I'm shooting the film on the Canon 5d and I'll be doing a lot of interview stuff on the 5d. So it made no sense for, I'm bringing like four different Canon bodies and all the lenses and the batteries. It made no sense to bring a whole other setup that, you know, didn't go with it. So different batteries, different lenses, different body i was like at some point they're not going to let me bring stuff on the boat if i don't check back what i want to bring <laughs> well the 5d is so versatile i have one too and i've used it for film mine's about i think five years old or something so it's old now right i use it for film and stills but it is it is so versatile but i still 
I really think that medium and large format film still to me is better in the look, but especially using the zone system with nighttime photography and in shadows, I really still feel like film uh, you can manipulate while you're taking the shot easier than you can um, with any digital. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, with um, just that, you know, the classic zone system, being able to get those details in the shadows just isn't happening as much. Um, of course, you know, a million people that do film and, and, uh, and uh, anything else would argue with me on that. So maybe I'm just doing it wrong, but um, I still, the nighttime being able to leave a shutter open, you know, for hours if you want to. Um, right, it, without worrying about a battery dying or the camera overheating and dead pixels, and you know there, and certainly the look. I mean, you're absolutely right. There's something about the medium format and large format film look. And I have three four by five cameras. I would bring one of them with me because that would be amazing. But I've had two detached retinas and about four eye surgeries, I just can't focus the four by five with the, the the hood over me and the lens opened up anymore. I just, it's not bright enough for me mm-hmm. to be able to see. I can mm-hmm. focus the RZ67 pretty well. So I'll bring, you know, six by seven centimeters is a pretty good film size and it's it comes in rolls. So that makes it a lot easier. Oh yeah. Oh wow. And you load your own everything. So yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Very cool. You know, one time when I was using, um, I, I have this Cambo 4x5, and that's what I travel with a, a lot to different countries and stuff, and it's just beat up. And I've done so many things and this and that, put new bellows on it, everything. And I accidentally took with me on a, I think it was a two-week trip um, in the United States. I accidentally took E6 instead of regular film, and the photos ended up with that blue you know, the blue hue, every single one of them, yeah, (laughs) by accident, and it's one of my best series, like, it it ended up being just the blue did it, it was something I didn't, it it was an accident, it was my, exactly, it was my blue, oh my gosh, I've never thought of it like that, Picasso. it was my blue period, (laughs) I was, I was a little depressed, and had my blue period, and there you go, and it worked out, I didn't even know, but good point, beautiful, (laughs) it's kind of amazing as photographers, how we fall in love with one film stock you know like i know i shoot one black and white stock and generally one color stock at this point it took me a lifetime to find them and now they're a little bit harder to find but oh very yeah and it's also amazing from the technology side of the digital is that you know you don't have to think about any of that you can you can correct shoot raw you can adjust the white balance to any look you want after you've shot it it's it's all about the post with that stuff i like catching on film you know you have to get all of it right then right there that's there's a thing about that that's what i like too i i like to not do post and i think it is because i started out with film like i tell myself i just have to get the shot perfect right away you know not quickly of course but um, i've been known to stay like 24 hours in one spot to get the right shot but you know you've got one sheet of film you better use it wisely um that one time and then post you know with all of these things I just it's very hard for me to do things post because I'm not used to it and uh, I want to get it right right then the first time and not mess with it later like uh, 
the author is dead type stuff. So <laughs> I, I may be the luckiest photographer in the world in that I, you know, my dad worked in the photo industry his entire career. And that's how I got to work in making dye transfers for three summers and worked at Ooh, an agency wow. that did um, Irving Penn's 84 retrospective at the Met. And mm. I was able, I was exposed to really good photography early on and every aspect of film photography. But then after college, that was right when digital was starting and I managed to get into work at a, a really good lab called True Color in Paramus, New Jersey that was run by Bob Goldblatt. And I weaseled my way into the digital department. I'd started as a color C printer for them making murals and stuff. And I just kept, I kept asking, I want to work in digital. I want to work in digital. I want to work in digital. And eventually they just got tired of me asking and let me work there. So <laughs> I got to start working in Photoshop in like 1993 or 94 and have been through, I think the first version I actually touched didn't have layers in it. So I have the film background and a good schooling in the digital. So, you know, I can kind of breathe above water and below water, I think is how I look at it. Oh, that's perfect. Speaking of, are you guys planning on uh, uh, doing some scuba snorkel shots underwater? Absolutely. Thinking about it? Fantastic. My snorkel gear is already packed and in, in a bag and ready to go. <laughs> I'm definitely <laughs> taking snorkel gear. Um, I'll probably shoot some footage while I'm snorkeling, but I, I kind of want to get footage of... Um, fishing and i say um too much that's what the editing of the, I, the podcast is for i say um all the time <laughs> no i you I, know I, what it is somebody told me because i do too they said oh they were trying to be nice you know they're like oh it's like yeah you meditate just all the time it's like <laughs> oh um. i said okay i'll take that i I'll will take too it. i'm just so enlightened i will run I'm with always that. in a meditation in my case, I'm pretty sure that my brain just runs about 20% behind my mouth. That's all. Um, see, there you go. There I go again. There you go. So um, what I was thinking is I want to get some footage of um, fishing. So some of that might be underwater as well, um, fishing above and below water. And we've had some crazy ideas. One of them is uh, we can't have a drone on the island right no drones on the national park so i've thought of mm -hmm. attaching a gopro to a kite <laughs> oh interesting and, and there and is a good amount of wind wind there yeah, so sending that thing up you know 300 feet or something and getting some great shots that way just remember to face it the right direction so it doesn't have the, yeah, <laughs> the cord there will be a splashdown involved in this and hopefully three or four feet of water, hopefully not deeper than that. But so I think my GoPro will see some water time. I'm, I'm certainly planning on bringing mine snorkeling. In fact, I'm, I'm practicing here at Blue Heron Bridge next week to get a, a feel for it because I haven't had I've used my Fuji camera underwater, but I haven't used the GoPro yet. So that's what's going to be next week's playing. I think one of the things Shannon just mentioned filming the fishing and one of the accessories that I got that I want to bring that I'm going to bring with me for the GoPro is that I got the dome so that I can shoot half underwater and half above and below so I can get him mm. fishing and actually hopefully see stuff going on in the water underneath and that'll be a really great that'd be a great shot yeah mm. we spend many evenings wow. going how about this what if we do this but we don't <laughs> we do it and we have the ideas but we also haven't locked into anything yeah we, yeah, we're just kind of bouncing things off of one another. Um, I wanted to. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know about the fishing. I'm sure you guys have checked out the the 
permitting stuff on that or we'll discuss it with the MPS when you get there type thing. But we've already I don't yeah, know anything about that. Yeah. We crossed that bridge. Very yeah. cool. Yeah, as long All as you right. have your as long as you have your um, Florida fishing license, you're allowed to oh, fish. Oh, that's the key. That's and, the key, Liz. And you can fish off the shore anywhere in Florida without a fishing license. But if I were on the kayak, I would need the fishing license. So if I'm going to fish for snapper or something uh, in 20 or 30 feet of water, I need the license. If I catch a snook, there's a special stamp for that. Um, oh, my gosh. We, you can't take lobster in the park. And I'm, no spear fishing. And no spear fishing. But other than that, I'm I'm pretty clear to go. Oh, that's fantastic. I knew there were some some details of that I didn't quite understand. So it's the licensing, the licensing thing. I've gone fishing in the Keys. I don't know how legal it was, but uh hired a boat and it was so beautiful. It was just incredible. I was I, I do not fish. I'm from the desert and I ended up catching like fish after fish and not knowing how to fish. And the captain actually asked me to like, please, um, please <laughs> relax a little bit because the person who's paying for this isn't catching any fish. <laughs> so I felt pretty proud of myself. I'm like, okay, I'll nap. <laughs> that happens every day in Florida. It's always the first person on the boat that hasn't fished that that out catches the biggest fisherman on the boat. Beginners. Like I caught, Absolutely. um, Oh, what is it? Uh, they had to to take is it a terrapin or something? I can't remember. Some huge fish I accidentally caught, and they had to two people had to take the the pole and were running around the the boat with it. Like <laughs> it was so bizarre. So I, I it's the one of the only few times I've been fishing in my life. But it was so beautiful. But the amazing thing out there is all of the blues. And I know everybody says it, but when you get out there, every shape excuse me, every shade of blue is just so amazing. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. Turquoise is on my, uh, golden's turquoise is on my <laughs> list. I've been using it a lot with my keys paintings recently, and it's definitely going to see some action down there. Oh yeah. Oh, definitely. It's just so clean. I mean, you, even if you tried to mix it yourself, you just couldn't do it's it. It's a tough color to make. Yeah. yeah. It's incredible. Ooh, I'm going to check it out then. Um, so have you seen a documentary called Tarpon? No. It was made. I will now. It was made back in um, the 70s. It's before Jimmy Buffett is huge. It's got the writer Richard Brodigan in it. And mm -hmm. Jim Harrison, who was from Montana. Um, I think he didn't write. He wrote A River Runs Through It. Um, oh, I met that guy. Yeah. He Yeah. He's one of my heroes. Love that guy. Um, passed away, unfortunately, a couple of years ago. But if you're going to die, I think if you, if you have to go, which we all do, <laughs> you should go like Jim Harrison. He passed away at his writing table, pen in hand. And that's... I didn't know that. And that's oh, how they wow. found him. Yeah, as an artist, wow. that's the way you want to... I think you'd want to leave. But... Wow. Um, yeah. Check that out. It's it's from the 70s, and it's just so interesting to see people almost, it has a residency feel to it because it's so grassroots. And it's old keys. And it's, it's old keys. It's old Florida. Oh. What's it called? Terrapin? It's called Tarpon. Tarpon. Okay. Tarpon. I will watch it then. And it's on real film, so. I think mm -hmm. you can probably even watch it on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> technology 
technology. Very good. So um, I have a question for oh, you guys. Sure, this go is ahead. a weird one. I love it. You, uh, okay. Somebody has a title. One of the two of you is Lord. <laughs> Who and 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 would you rather that be your your name or um so how how is somebody a lord i love it so it's me i'm shannon (laughs) Um, (laughs) that came about probably 10 years ago so when i left on this road trip um before i met my wife and I was in Santa Fe and California and Oregon and all that. And I came Aww. back. Um, I had a friend who traveled extensively. And he, I was complaining. I think we were drinking at a bar. And I was complaining <laughs> that uh, I didn't get any respect for my work. I said, I do these murals and it's faux work. And it's in architectural digest and all that. But the decorators get credit and the designers get credit. And they never credit me in the photographs. I just don't get any respect. And it's not kind of not cool you know yeah and uh he's a fast talker he's not he's not alive anymore he's a fast talker and uh dave says but you know you maybe you should do something you know you, you got to take it but you know what you, you don't have the balls to do it you, you just could never do it you just you, know, you never could commit to something you, you wouldn't do anything crazy i said yes i would he goes well what would you do he says maybe you should be like a maybe you should be like a duke or an earl or something. I mean, you got that long beard and your hair and everything. You look like they're tall, you're thin. Maybe you should be like some some kind of aristocracy. And I said that's really funny. Goes, <laughs> so said, cool. I would have to be the lord. So, cool. so it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. So I told my wife I was going to do this that night when I came home. Now I'd had a couple <laughs> of beers and a few Jaegers. <laughs> my wife laughs at me hysterically, like you are now. And uh, I, said, uh, no. I said, tomorrow after breakfast, I'm going to the bank. And I am going to go into the bank and I'm going to say, you know, I've had a bank account here for about 17 years. And uh, I've started to have problems <laughs> with getting wire transfers from my Barclays account um, to our U.S. account. And I just need, it's a simple matter of just changing the name on my bank account to include my title. And then apparently the transfers are going to work perfectly fine. Um, and the young guy behind the counter said, Jesus, I've never met a real Lord before. And he stands up and <laughs> shakes my hand. And he said, we'll get that taken care of for you right now. Uh, oh, my God. And he's basically just jittery the whole time. And I go home and my wife, who wasn't my wife at the time, says, how did that go, honey? I said, well, the debit card will be here in five to seven days. Oh, my God. That's fabulous. So that's a great story. So I changed everything over. Even tried to do my social security, which didn't work in the end, but but everything else says Lord. And then he passed away and I got older and I thought, This is ridiculous. But then when he passed away, it was like all of our friends were like, You can't take it away now. (laughs) That's how we know. You can't. It's a tribute to Dave, man. And doesn't that make your wife a lady? It does. And we get great tables at restaurants. (laughs) That's what I have heard. I've I've heard you can even, you know, if you get it on your passport and stuff, you get great, uh, great seats in the airplane and everything. So I love it. 
<laughs> exactly. Exactly. You get treated better. That so. is the true story. I love it. Well, that's fantastic. You have any, uh, you have any more questions? I, I did right before Tanya asked that about 12 minutes ago, <laughs> and now I've forgotten what it was. So I need just a second to compose myself. I have a closer question if you want to think for, for a minute. So I have a closer question for you, Tanya. Yes. So the question is, do you feel like that you've, um, sorry for the um, completely reached your objective with the National Parks Arts Foundation? Or is there something else ultimately that you want to accomplish with um, the National Parks Arts Foundation? I mean, the long-term pie-in-the-sky kind of goal. No, um, I think we have all have, we've reached it. We, we reached it actually when we were um, able to get artists into parks. Uh, that sounds even kind of obnoxious, but right from the get-go, we just wanted it to be an opportunity that was public, that everybody had a chance to apply for. And, and that was, uh, that was the, the number one thing. The second is um, the fine art, being able to um, have wonderful curators and a panel um, that we have. And, and though they're anonymous, they're, they're really, really such a big help. So um, we, have, we have reached our goal. We did very quickly. And I guess the bigger goal now is to to see how we can make it even more accessible for people. Um, you know, just expand, but not get, get too big, still um, handleable. So the, the quality is, is still there. Um, um, see, I say, um, too. I see. Um, <laughs> it's all a meditation. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, we, we did it right away just to be able to have it public and be able to give back to the parks. And also uh, one part that uh, isn't really mentioned as much as, as I would like, um, there it goes again. I've, I've personally fought for artists rights uh, to their work and to be able to have access to things just as scientists do other specialists do and uh, even you know filed suit for artist rights and different things that have been used in different court cases so uh, another one of the things that we do that NPAF does that other residencies even in uh, especially that work with the government is we are able to tell the artists you have the you are able to keep your rights if you want to and you are able to donate what you want to if the park and the government will accept it so that's so a lot of these residencies that aren't us they say everything that you do belongs to the government everything as as you are a volunteer in fact everything belongs so we let artists know that this is something that might be asked of you even in the paperwork and you need to decide um, if that is something you are willing to give away, because to me personally, and to most of us here at NPAF, that's your livelihood. That's what you're all about. You don't need to be giving it away for free. And, you know, like Ansel Adams, when his son 
I told his son uh, about what a lot of the parks have in their volunteer agreement now, which is something that Ansel Adams was under, um, that they wrote in, at some point the Park Service wrote in that everything that you create as a volunteer, and even some of them say, and is fired, inspired later that you create will belong to the United States government. And I told his son that, Michael, he said, no, that can't be true. I said, yes, it is. And I showed him, showed him what, a, what this agreement looked like. He said, I wouldn't have had the money to go to school. My dad wouldn't have, you know, if that would have been the case. And I said, well, I think that might be why, actually, they saw a revenue stream from what your dad did and put that in there, you know. So um, we, uh, that's another thing that is, is very close to my heart is, is making sure that the artists know that uh, they could be donating or, or not. So that's a little side note. <laughs> well, that, I mean, I would have never known that. That's absolutely brilliant to know. I can see why they well, would do that. Well, when I, oh yeah, it's it's a little revenue stream. And one of our artists, um, and I say our, he's his own artist, but um, had, uh, who shall not be named, he went ahead and, and signed an agreement um, and didn't read it. And, um, you know, I told him that that might be in there and then, the park service called him and said, we want all of your photographs, all 2000 of your photographs. They belong to us. Oy. <laughs> and then he called us and said, what's the deal here? And we said, you know, we're not your, you know, we told you, but we're not your agent or your attorney. And, you know, you signed it. So, but what I did, I noticed this very early on because when I was being invited to parks, myself i saw that line and i just crossed it out and initialed it i would have i was ready to walk if they said that i had to uh had to give away everything i created scientists don't other specialists don't artists shouldn't have to i agree that is brilliant work i have to say that that you and your team have afforded me an opportunity of a lifetime and i i appreciate it more than you can imagine i know carl does as well yeah, that was actually where I was going to go was a, a big fat thank you to the NPAF because, you know, to back up just a little tiny bit, um, you know, we've been at this application, like I've mentioned a couple of times now, is around 15 months before we got, you know, accepted for this year uh, because we started so early. And throughout the year, there was one of your team members that um, I would communicate with back and forth. And it was always so encouraging it was is john um very very oh, yeah. um very very encouraging and kept us going but the reality is is that he told me a story that i was already i was going to be friends with you the minute i heard this story and that was that you have a drawer <laughs> full of rejections for residencies and for artistic opportunities that was part of your impetus for creating the foundation to make the opportunities. And yeah. Shannon and I, in our own rights, have had our share of rejections at the local and national level in the last couple of years. And we've both had times where we have thought about just, is it worth it? I know I sure have. And I've had a lot of rejections. And winning this one really, really, I think, put us both, or at least I'm going to speak for myself at this point, put me back on track. And, you know, the the just the feeling that 
my work was reviewed and compared and the ideas and that it was accepted, it was a real, a real boost. And I can't wait to see how we, how we turn this into some real magic. Yeah. It's already, well, I have to tell you, I'm blushing right now and I have tears in my eyes. That's (laughs) so very nice of you, but I'm blushing because the rejection letter story is entirely true. Um, I've been rejected so many times from so many places that it's kind of, uh, hilarious and I keep I keep them all and then after I started collecting them and keeping them to keep myself humble or whatever I found out that it a lot of artists throughout history have kept their rejection <laughs> so I'm among a, a very good group as as you two are too it sounds like and uh, I remember getting one rejection letter that I still have uh, oh must have been 20 years ago um, from a residency I applied for and it was part science. Um, actually, I'll just say it. It was at Biosphere. And the person um, who rejected me actually said that I was an artist, a horrible artist. I shouldn't be considered even an artist. And my work should never be shown to anybody. And I shouldn't have even applied. Um, it was not devastating. It was, it was more hilarious to me than devastating. I thought does this person know me? Like, did I do something to this person that they would, and, and what kind of rejection letter is this? Yeah, um, that, that was pretty personal. Was pretty harsh. <laughs> it was like so harsh, so harsh. And at the same time, you know, I'd already taught at the, been the youngest teacher at the Royal Photographic Society in London, you know, so there was this, I'm getting it from, 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 both ends like really great opportunities and stuff that I'd even already done and then somebody down there who's a scientist telling me I'm I'm a horrible artist I'm not even an artist you know but if you would like to if you haven't already seen this if you google or on YouTube Dylan Moran he's a comedian rejection letter it is the perfect response to a rejection letter I'll definitely um, look at this. So look at it. This don't afternoon. forget to do it. It is hilarious, and it's the perfect. It, it is. It is so. It is hilarious and wonderful. Um, but yes, um, and that is a huge reason also why NPAF started is because you know, I wanted to be able to open up these opportunities to people. Um, and yes, we all get rejection letters, and and having gotten so many was um, another reason why I wanted to to go ahead and make more opportunities. So, and it's, it's been, it's been very good as, as long as we're able to get the funding, even sometimes at the last minute, we'll be able to say, Hey, there's going to be two residencies at once, mm-hmm. you know, um, and things like this, um, that, that come about, uh, very quickly, not this year, not since March, but, <laughs> um, it's been, it's, it's been really good. I'm glad he told you that story, but I am blushing, <laughs> blushing from that, well, that I, story. I, I, it's one of the things that, like your reasons for starting the MPAF, you know, while the podcast was started with the ambition of getting the residency and every piece of this puzzle was towards having this body of work ready for the documentary. But the other part was we made a concerted effort to want to be able to help guide people who want to be on residencies. And, you know, if I have one parting piece of information that I would share with aspiring artists, it would be be picky about the ones that you apply to. Make sure they're good fits for you. Because if it's not a good fit, it's gonna, it's just going to lead to a rejection letter anyway. I mean, really, it's the ones that 
you do the ones that really speak to you and are a good fit and then you give yourself a fighting chance it's still against a lot of other artists so you're not going to win them all but at least at least think about it and don't blindly apply to things you know make make sure that it's it speaks to you i mean that's why we picked the dry tortugas as the single one that was important to us you know it's just that place i i discovered i don't know if you saw my blog post yesterday but in reading my great-grandfather's autobiography i discovered that him as a ship captain probably refueled at the dry tortugas during world war one and that he he used to be on a a steamship that went from new york to havana to Mexico and back to New York. So you know he was going by that light at Loggerhead Key on his way back from Mexico. And I'm going to be able to look out there at night and, you know, look at the water and realize that I'm standing a half mile or a mile from where my great-grandfather, who went to sea at 14 from Norway, sailed right by. Sailed right by. Oh, that is so cool. You're going to do a little time traveling. You know, that's right. That'll be perfect. <laughs> that has already um, crossed our mind. <laughs> I have to tell you guys, you know that we couldn't do do any of this without the artists donating a huge chunk. A month is a long time, and we've had them longer than that, too. But what you are doing is you are giving your time to the aesthetic of art and the parks and the public. So uh, thank you for appreciating what we do, but you are the ones doing the work, the artwork. And, you know, that's so important. And we're very grateful, grateful to you and the quality also. We are so thrilled for the opportunity. And uh, it's going to be, it's going to be an amazing next two years of our lives because as this spins out, and we get home and we edit the film and then we start entering into film festivals and we start having shows of the work created. It's, it's, you know, it's, it does spin into two years for sure. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, I don't know you guys, but people who were, I was working with having residency, getting residencies for even before the nonprofit was created, they haven't stopped. They're still doing 10 years in more than 10 years in. Um, so you might say two years, but it's going to probably last longer than that. That's okay with us. (laughs) Yeah, this has been, uh, I can speak personally for a second. This has been, um, huge for me already. I mean, just, just winning the residency and I haven't even left yet. It's, (laughs) um, it's made a difference in people seeing my work, buying my work, um, shipping stuff to places that I wouldn't ordinarily ship to, which has helped me raise money. Um, to buy some of the equipment for the trip, but oh, fantastic! You know, it's it, it's the it was the thing that I needed all along, and the fact that it's the place that I really resonate with is even more special because I haven't even created the work from this yet. Well, don't be surprised if you guys are going to have to follow up after the post residency just. Uh, just to complete because we have you know the the proposal has what you what you want to do when you're there but I have to tell you sometimes that changes and we know that about 50% of the time it changes a little bit or a lot and a lot of times people get so inspired they start like seven different projects um, that (laughs) That go on forever (laughs) so don't be surprised if like it spins in another different direction and here and there and and stuff like that, which is always very exciting, but it just means you're going to be going there a lot more. 
<laughs> True. So. Going to the well. That sounds perfect. Well, Tanya, really, thank you so much. Thanks to the NPAF for choosing us and you for generously giving your time for the podcast. I hope that folks that are considering, um, there's, there's my um, going for residencies, get something out of this. And really, thank you so much for your time. It's uh, We're very inspired and we can't wait till September. And uh, We are honored to have you. Thank you so much. We hope you have a... Uh, uh, safe next uh, few months, whatever it's going to be till this is over, probably next year. But um, thank you so much for this opportunity. All right. Well, we look forward. We look forward to working with you both, and we'll talk soon. I hope. Yes. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye.